0: Hello and welcome to Weebspawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello,
1: Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode.
0: And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about a pretty... Well, not fan favorite, I guess. One of our favorite animes, Fruit Baskets Season 1. And as always spoilers ahead
1: yeah so i'm really excited to talk about this one because it's probably in my top five anime maybe even my top three i haven't really assessed my list lately but it's it's pretty (laughs) high up there on my ranking it's for sure a top five for me yeah really good anime so if you haven't seen this one highly recommend it it's it's just very different from what i'm used to in most anime so, Fruit Basket, or Fruits Basket, is a rebooted anime based off of the manga of the same name, which was created by Natsuki Tayaka, or nope, Natsuki Takaya, and this sold over 18 million copies. The original Fruits Basket anime that was released in 2001 has a similar rep- reputation to. Full Metal Alchemist versus Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It was one of those anime that was popular and still really good, but it started to deviate from the source material, which eventually led to a more faithful reboot. And that, for this episode, we are going to be focusing on that reboot. So this reboot aired on April 6th of 2019 on Tokyo TV. And it's available for streaming on both Crunchyroll and Funimation.
0: And in case you have no idea what we're talking about, and you're just listening to this to see if this is an anime for you, Fruits Basket is an anime where we follow Taru Honda, a 16 year old high school girl who, for a short period of time, is homeless, sleeping in a tent in the woods. No, I am not making this up. She was <laughs> literally homeless, sleeping in a tent in the woods. <laughs> soon discovered by her classmate, Yuki Soma, she is taken in by him and his cousin, who from the outside seem normal, but we soon discover they are possessed by the Zodiac Spirits. This discovery gets to- Toru involved in toxic toxic family affairs that it she is determined to resolve yeah i so it it seems kind of
1: cliche-ish which i mean it's a slice of life so it is a little bit cliche but just the way that they handle this anime is completely different than most slice of life's that i'm used to because they make it seem like at least in the beginning that this is going to be a romance You're very invested in Toru and Yuki's relationship and then uh, Toru and Kyo's relationship, which is like, it almost seems like it's going to be a love triangle, but they definitely take the approach of this relationship aspect and then they completely deviate from it. So you really expect one thing and then the story slowly evolves into something much more complex and there's a lot more... Uh, just more complexity to it and it kind of gets a little sad too like as you continue on with it and it this is really the thing that just kept me going there's so many theories crafting in my head as i'm watching it it just there's so much uh so many layers to it
0: and in case you're wondering if you think oh they turn into the zodiac spirits they literally have no like superpowers or anything they literally just Turn into their spirit animal and at most can communicate with animals of the same species of like whatever. So, like, that dog can talk to dogs, the cats can talk to cats, and so on and so forth. So, other than that, nothing like, nothing really fantasy esque. If you like heard that and thought it was going to be kind of like a fantasy anime, it is not.
1: Yeah, it definitely focuses more on the realistic aspects, but they add this mystery to it this hint of fantasy to add a little bit of um, depth to their internal family affairs
0: because it would be otherwise not as exciting just learning about a rich family yeah problems you just kind of like oh boo hoo yeah and then exactly. kind of just went on with it
1: <laughs> so unfortunately There are not a lot of detailed interviews from the manga artist, so I wasn't able to learn her inspiration for Fruits Basket. But she did mention that when she learned about the Chinese Zodiac, it really inspired her to make something of it and make something from it. So as for the individual stories of the characters, I don't know much about their own inspiration. But that's where the story of the entire series came from, just from her love of the Zodiac. For the reboot, I did find an interview where she mentioned to her producers that if they wanted to reopen the story of Fruits Basket, the, like if they wanted to open the curtain back up, they needed to start from scratch. And the network needed to find new everything. So they they needed to actually completely change the artistic uh, visu- visuals of it because she said the art was outdated So they needed to completely make it not look like her art anymore. They needed a new cast, and they even needed to have a new animation studio. So just the whole thing was basically built from the ground up, brand new. So it would basically have this completely new outlook and different perspective from what it used to be. So I thought that was really cool.
0: I thought it was cool that she literally told her producers – yeah, my work is outdated. You need to update it. Mm-hmm. Like.
1: like that, I feel like, is very, I don't know, respectable because they, they know that what they did in the past, it just doesn't quite hold up visually. So they're not ashamed to say, like, please do something about it. So that's that was really cool.
0: Oh, yeah, because the manga came out in 1998. Yeah, so
1: a little bit outdated wow that yeah if you if you're looking at the artwork it's <laughs> wow yeah i style. did because
0: i was curious is i'm like why is it considered outdated and oh yeah i can see why i didn't watch the first mm-hmm. it's not the first one look at because i was i was curious i'm like if it's outdated like how big but yeah i could see why now because definitely in the 90s and kind of early 2000s is a lot different art style than it is now because god it's 20 years
1: yeah their their eyes are just very obnoxious on their head and it's very that time style
0: though yes it's just like even like games and stuff anime definitely has gone through their different styles of drawing Mm -hmm. exactly Enough about that. Let's finally get into the actual story of Fruits Baskets. Yeah,
1: which we will be skipping a few characters. So if you're familiar with the story and we kind of brush over some of the Zodiac Zodiac members and we don't mention them at all, it should be just due to time because this is a twenty five episode anime and we're just trying to uh, fill you guys in on the most important characters.
0: Plus we're pretty sure you probably don't care about the characters we skipped anyways. Yeah. If you know it. So, we start off with the scene of Toru Honda leaving her tent in the woods to head to school. While saying goodbye to a picture of her late mother, before heading to school, she explores an area and stumbles across a house that she has never seen before, with little figures of the Zodiac sitting out. And this catches her attention due to her love for the Zodiac signs. So while admiring the figures, she meets the owner of the house, Shigurei Soma, and his cousin who is living with them, Yuki Soma, who happens to be her classmate. And I believe, I think Yuki recognizes her first, because I don't think she recognizes him right away. And after talking, Yuki and Toru walk to school together. Yuki is the classic pretty boy, Mr. Popular, and... The whole, like, the prince of the high school. So, of course, he has his own little fan club, admirers, whatever you want to call them. And immediately they sought to harass Toru. But Toru's friends, Utani, I keep. Uotani? Uotani, and Hanajima. Did I pronounce that right? Mm-hmm. That one was good. Because okay. <laughs> I always just... You got one. Their, Utan and Hana. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because then, yeah, she likes to shorten them to Uo-chan and Hana-chan.
0: Yeah. And they scare off the girls. After school, Toro goes back to her tent. But Yuki sees this and offers her to stay the night at their house. And by the stroke of fate, a rock slide crushes Toru's tent. So she now has to permanently stay with Yuki and Shigure. While they're all at the house, another Soma, Soma member named Kyo comes in and picks a fight with Yuki. However, Toru being the kind nature person she is, she tries to stop it but accidentally embraces Kiro, which causes him to transform into a cat. And of course, within the confusion, he falls into Yuki and Shigure, which causes them all to transform into a rat and a dog, respectively. We learn that including these three, there are 10 more members of the Soma family that are possessed by the Zodiac Spirits. And if they are embraced by the opposite gender, they are forced to transform. They will also transform as well if they are physically exhausted or sick. So if they just literally feel under the weather or they go below like a certain threshold, they'll change. Now, if you do the math, I said 10 more after those three, which brings us a total of 13 zodiacs. And if you know anything about the zodiacs, there's technically only 12. And that's because in this story, there is a hidden member, the cat, that no one outside of someone knows about. The cat was tricked into not going to the banquet that God hosted by the rat, so it was not included amongst the Zodiac spirits. So that gives you a little bit of folklore or mythology into this as well.
1: Yeah, so with this episode, we're just immediately thrown into it. We see this young girl who's living on her own after her mother's death, which was pretty recent in reference to when she's out on the streets. So we even see her that she gets a job by herself so she can provide for herself. So she's not a burden on anyone. She basically views her presence as a burden and she tries to be independent. We also learned that she's on her own because her grandfather's house is being remodeled. And instead of staying with a friend, she decides to just do everything on her own. So she apparently just decides that the easiest thing to do is live on the streets. In the woods. She wasn't in the streets. Okay. yeah, In the woods. (laughs) So agreeing to stay with the Somas, albeit because she has no choice, is actually kind of a big deal for her just because of how she views her existence and now all because she decided to stay with them for one night or for a few nights i suppose she is included in this family secret all because of a slip because they probably were gonna let her stay as long as they wanted and just hide the secret from her but this knowledge kind of induced introduces her to this curse which presents some issues because we learned that everyone who pre- previously discovers the secret had their memories erased. But Shigure actually mentions to Yuki and Kyo that this time it kind of feels different. Which is a very interesting thing for him to say. It's it's not like the past where normally members would be forced to be erased. Memories would be forced to be erased immediately. They're gonna uh, let this one slide. But and then we also kind of see a little bit of more emotional connection here because in this scene when they're talking about erasing memories Toru even asks Yuki like if her memory were to be erased she hopes that he will remain her friend so they're only known each other really for a small period of time and she views her existence as a burden to people but she decides that she's comfortable enough around these people to actually ask to become like stay friends with them even if she Her memory was erased so it's definitely throwing a lot of emotional connections here at us and it's setting the tone of the show because we you can slowly feel that this show is going to be about relationships whether it's intimate or just platonic friendships it's a show that's deeply ingrained in connections with characters so you start to see this kindness and connection and it's it, it really sets the tone for the entire season and the rest of the show.
0: And within that seriousness, there's also bits of comedic parts that kind of help lighten the mood. And something that I like to call toru, toru moments, this is one great one, is when they all do become animals and a delivery person comes to the house. She is holding all three of them very excitedly goes up to the mailman and goes, they are animals. <laughs> and the mailman's just like, yes, I see you have animals. That's not <laughs> like, and just treating her like an absolute kid. And, but her expression was so adorable that I'm just like, oh my God, I, I couldn't go without mentioning that. I just, I had to put that little tidbit in there.
1: Yeah. She is such a goofy Lovable character, and you just can't help but love all the innocent moments she has. And that's one of the reasons why she's just such a good character in my eyes because she is just such a relatable one, and you can't help but like her. She is just someone that's hard to dislike.
0: And if you remember our Blood Sea podcast episode, when we were talking about how to make an aloof character, this is a prime example of one where she's naive but she's not completely naive she has mm-hmm. core values and when it becomes when it comes to relationships and about like her teachings she does she sticks firm to it but other than that she is pretty naive of the outside world but like I said it's a good it's a good blend
1: yes I completely agree plus she is kind of ditzy and dumb when it comes to certain things but she is extremely intelligent when it comes to seeing other people's pain and their emotions just from interacting with them. Because as we go through the show, she is able to feel when Yuki's upset or when Kyo has something troubling him. And even with Uo-chan and Hana-chan, she's just able to completely see through their shells and figure out what's wrong with them and help them any way that she can. So where she's lacking in just, like, street smarts or book smarts, she makes up for it in just such pure, kind, emotional connections with people. So she she's definitely strong in many ways, and you are correct. This is definitely the best way to make a very aloof character. So we as we continue, we will, of course, know that Toru's memories... Aren't going to be erased the show would kind of end at that point so yuki kyo and Chou- Toru remain close in school they're always walking together i mean they're going to the same school coming from the same house so it makes sense that they would walk together so they're just very good friends and we learn the personalities of kyo and yuki yuki tends to have all the girls flock to him But he doesn't really know how to properly interact with people. And he feels isolated. Whereas Kyo is the opposite. He can interact with them. But he doesn't have the same flock that Yuki has. So both of these characters are extremely jealous of one another. And they're always at each other's throats. Through conversation that Toru has with Yuki and Kyo. You see that her kindness really shines through. And you see the love that she radiates. Like She gives them advice. To each guy. Hopefully helping them guide them to who they are and not envy the other for what they possess so she's able to help like, handhold them and mold them into accepting who they are and being comfortable with that so Toru tells Yuki at one point after he said he was jealous of Kyo that he needs to take the advice of her late mother which that she was given to her which was to be more positive towards people And I think this really helps shape who his character is or who he will be, because right now he's very dismissive of people and he doesn't really try to act or interact with anyone. He is just the self-isolated person. And I think that shows a lot of what happened in his past with people. So he he doesn't really try to be positive. He doesn't try to interact with them. He just tries to push him away because everybody always gets hurt that interacts with him. So that, that's a little tidbit of those t- two and their lives of Zodiac. But soon we're introduced to other Zodiac members. And the first one we're introduced to outside of these three is Kagura, who is the boar. And as we can see, she is madly in love with Kyo to the point of aggression, which really bothers Kyo. He's not really that intimate with her, like very fond of her in that s- same way. But her love for Kyo causes some issues with Toru. And she sees Toru as a threat. And she even goes as far to challenge Toru and say that her affection is greater and asking if she even knows Kyo's true form. But this is quickly shut down by Kyo. And the question or conversation is redirected. And eventually, so we get this little hint of true form which we don't really know a whole lot about we can only make speculations but this of course causes some conflicts which eventually mellow out and Kagres eventually starts to understand Toru and learn that she just she loves the cat Zodiac after learning about it because she knows of the original 12 but now she learned about this cat Zodiac and she feels very drawn towards it because it's this outcast and I think Toru really relates to the story of the cat So she has this fascination with Kyō. So this mellows out Kagura and she learns that Toru is here to help. And she's not somebody who's trying to steal Kyō away from her. So Toru's becoming very close to this um, Soma family. And it is becoming home for her. And she can't even imagine leaving them. Because every time a new Zodiac member comes in, you just feel all the tensions melt away and these strong bonds forming which I really love. You just see it within the show of how home-like Toru is. Everyone just radiates to her and loves her, which makes the audience love her even more too. So she can't imagine leaving the Soma home, but eventually she gets the phone call from her grandfather and his home renovation is finished and now she can actually come home. And at this point, she's heartbroken because she was just getting comfortable with them. She found them, like, saw them as her true family. So this just really breaks her down. But of course she has to leave because it's her family. So when she gets there, she's immediately attacked and verbally abused and brought down by her uncle and her aunt. They're berating her and just attacking her and her late mother. So they're They're doing some really low blows to her, and she can't fight back because she's a 16-year-old child. But finally, her grandfather sort of steps in and states that Toru can choose her own path and live how she pleases. Nobody can choose that for her. And the broken Toru finally just, through her tears, is crying out that she misses the Somos and she wants to stay with them and acknowledges that they're more of a home to her than her home is and luckily yuki and kyo feel the same way and they basically break into the house because they're listening through the window and in a very prince charming way they hold out their hand and collect toru and ask her to come home removing her from this toxic environment all while her family is scolding her or all while they are scolding the family for treating her with such shit and disrespect so a very emotionally charged episode and it was really great
0: and as you kind of said all that, that's a, a little bit to all take in at once. So a few things yes. to... Yeah, sorry. That was a lot of talking. <laughs> a few things to reminisce over exactly what he mentioned in case you kind of got lost there. As we learn kind of from like the very first episode which that tells us kind of why Toru likes the cat and everything... We learn a bit more about the story of the rat tricking the cat into missing the banquet, which shows the whole like distraught between Yuki and Kyo and why they're always at odds with each other and pretty much that they it's a whole the grass is greener on the other side as well because Yuki wants what basically Kyo has like this freedom and everything and then Kyo wants what Yuki has this acceptance with the family so it's like they both want what each other has but will never admit it because it's also kind of like the whole Naruto and Sasuke thing like they I guarantee you deep down they do recognize each other and respect each other but they would never say it because they're just they're both too prideful of that Or they feel like if they do, they are admitting defeat. And neither one wants to do that. Next, with the whole Kaguya thing, is another one Toru moment that I need to bring up. is when Shigure, when Kaguya comes and Shigure is like, can you guess what Zodiac animal she is? (laughs) And of course, some other Kaguya ends up in... uh, what was it like a mailman again like oh yeah deal with these mailmen yeah. and always coming at like <laughs>
1: the most inopportune <laughs> times yeah the mailman bumped her or something and she transformed.
0: yeah and she transformed into a bear and or a bear boar. a boar <laughs> she picks up the boar with the most triumphant look ever and goes i know what animal she is she's the boar and then like she goes just in his head like uh, I don't not know if that really good. counts yeah that's not really a you know, guess but he's like but you seem too happy to dismiss it so uh, another great A Toru moment mm-hmm. <laughs> and then but that's when he also said the whole like true form which to be honest with you it's like they gave it to us here which is what like episode like five or six
1: something yeah it's very early
0: yeah, it's not like it's I know it's in the first half. Mm-hmm. But then it's like we don't really hear much about that until late at the end of the season when his yeah, the true form few. actually sh- shows. So yeah,
1: I was and, theory crafting the entire time like what the fuck does she mean by true form? What is the true form?
0: At first I literally I, I just get over cuz I'm like uh she already saw he was a cat. I'm like
1: I assumed Gee. that he was, like, the dragon or something, like, something very evil, and but that didn't make sense because looking back at it, the dragon was already um, in the, like, they had, like, little storyline animations, and I could see the dragon and the cat were in the same picture, so it didn't really make sense. So, yeah. I, there was, I didn't really brush over. I was trying to analyze it and figure it out, but I obviously did not figure it out.
0: Maybe because I was trying to just catch up with the season that I did at first I think at most I thought I'm like oh is he actually supposed to be like a lion or leopard like a bigger cat like not a household cat like that's as mo- that's honestly as most as I went through because just because they never came back to it so I was just like okay so he's just hiding like Maybe a, a different side of his personality or something like that, because they really never really touched on it until the end. So that's why I just kind of brushed it. But then also kind of showing this relationship between her and the Somas now, with the with her going back to her home, and then like you said, her uncle and aunts not only berated her for her other friends, Uda Uat uh, Chan. Uochan, I keep, yeah. Uo, okay. Uochan and Hana-chan, but then also the Soma's as well, mostly for a girl being with like two guys, that was like their big thing, but then her friends being the delinquent and the Hanachan being Hana-chan, they were basically berating her and then it was it was really satisfying seeing the grandfather slap him though. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it was so satisfying. And but you just see how you mentioned they haven't known each other for long, but already this foundation for relationship already happens. And like you said, it's not like pure romance, but they still like love and care for each other, but not necessarily or really shows in a more like romantic way. So you don't have this whole like love triangle thing going on, but you could tell all of them deeply care about each other so it's they did a good job of showing their relationship Mm -hmm. through these bits and pieces without just telling you straight up
1: yes absolutely and like as as i was saying i'm just it's just going to be reinforced and reiterated throughout the episode but like it's a show about relationships and connections and everywhere you look you see the connection and relationship between toru's uncle and uncle to toru how it's a very negative connection You see Yuki and Kyo forming a strong bond. You see Kagura and Kyo, their relationship forming. Basically, every character you meet, you find some sort of rope that connects them to another character, and you see whether that rope gets stronger or weakened, and it's just a very poetic thing, and I love to analyze each relationship Mm -hmm. that comes into the picture.
0: So now that Toa's living arrangement has now become permanent... Because before, I guess it really was kind of temporary until like the renovations thing, but now it is permanent that she belongs here and she has now a an actual home to come back to. Now it's time for the cultural festival! Yay! Can't have a high school anime without the yeah, cultural seriously. festival, <laughs> where two somas come and visit. Not just one, but I uh Svi, come. Yeah. Oh.
1: I see what you did there.
0: <laughs> if you know the anime, you know what I did there. I had to think there for a moment. Momiji in Hatari, commotion arises when Momiji hugs Toru and turns into a golden rabbit. Because what was really the reason? Just he He's wanted just to show her guy. his form. I was about to say. Yeah. I think he just wanted to show her yeah. her form
1: because I, I believe they had he had a conversation with Hattori about how she didn't have her memory erased so she was the one person that the Somos were allowed to confide in and show her their true form to so he was really excited about being able to show that he is the rabbit because he's never been able to show that to anybody else
0: I think Ellie wants your attention yeah
1: she is being an annoying <laughs> little hoe. <laughs>
0: luckily when they when he hugged her they were like behind this curtain for their cultural festival I, I, I think they were doing like a cafe or something or a cosplay something I think I, it was I, a, yeah, yeah cosplay some I don't even remember I think they had like a rice ball
1: stand and there's some cosplay going on very weird I don't really understand culture festivals but I want to go to one
0: <laughs> anyways it was they had a curtain for dressing so there was like Whatever it was there, and but if you know, like whenever they hug, like this poof of smoke comes, and apparently, that's not just anime uh, visual effects. That actually happens because when that happened, everyone quickly came around and was like, Where'd this bunny come from? And of course, they had to make some reason up. But moving on, later Hattori takes a picture of Yuki and Kyo at the request of the Soma head Akito. And then he promptly leaves this. He's just like, I've, he tricked him somehow, I forget, and mm-hmm. it, it was funny how he did it, but he tricked him, took the picture, and they, they were just kind of dumbfounded, and he's like, okay, yeah. bye, and just plus, left.
1: Yuki, plus, Yuki was in like some sort of cosplay oh. outfit, so he was dressed like a girl, so it was really That's embarrassing was. for Yuki, which I thought was really
0: entertaining. I forget, I was like, I knew it was something, like Yuki, there was something going on with Yuki, but... Yuki warns to- Toru not to be alone with them because he is the family doctor, but he is also the person who erases people's memories. And of course, once the festival ends, we see the loyal and the protective nature of Toru's two friends, uo and Hanachan. I'm just saying those names because it's a lot easier than saying their full names. Yeah.
1: Plus, that's all that Toru um, calls them, so it just feels right to to call him Uo-chan and Hanachan
0: it just they feels feel, and it feel also like, just feels weird seeing their name actually yeah.
1: plus there are Uo, uo-chan and hana-chan like they're that's who they are to
0: us they've learned that so throughout this time they kind of notice something's going on between like how while wow, some they got close to each other but of course toro being the person she is she never wants to bother anyone else not even her closest friends. But of course, being the closest friends they are, they know something's up. And basically forces her to get an invite to the Soma's place so they can make sure it's a like good nurturing or whatever environment. And during this sleepover, Tora brings up a story to her friends about how a young girl a boy, and a boy saved her when she was lost, and the only memory she has of him is his hat left behind. And we see that Kyo was also listening on this story. And the next day, the girls give their blessings to take care of Toru and leave. They they realize that the Somos really do care about her, and that she cares about them, that it's a good environment, so they give their blessings, and they're like... Please take care of Toru for us. And they promptly leave. And as they leave. Toru gets a car. Car. Call. And it's from Hathori. He requ- he requests that she come to the Soma estate. Alone. Bum, bum, dun bum. dun dun. He tells Toru that she needs to leave the Somas alone. Before she becomes a burden by the curse. But she refuses and that through a very clutchy event, discovers that he is the dragon. Sea <laughs> dragon, that is. Zodiac.
1: <laughs> it took me forever to realize the correlation between sea dragon and dragon. Because I'm sitting there like, there is not a sea dragon in the Zodiac. So what, like, what the fuck? And then I realized, like, because I'm making a whole bunch of theories. Like Akito, I'm like, Akito's got to be the dragon. Because that bitch is fucking psycho but then um i realized i'm like wait it's a sea dragon i'm it is the dragon and i'm an idiot so thought i just good put thing it wasn't there. a komodo dragon oh that'd be cool
0: that would be cool but that would have been a lot harder to hide well
1: yeah.
0: i don't know i don't know what would have been harder a komodo or a sea dragon because sea dragon you would need to go to water so you would have to immediately be carrying empty clothes and the sea dragon in your hand so true but either way, after this whole incident happens, to continue the story of relationships, we li- we leave the Hatteries. We learn that Hatari's intentions are actually pure at heart, and Momiji tells Tori that Hatteri actually had to erase the love of his life's memory because of the burden of the curse he caused her, and because of this, Hatteri because of Hatsuri's deep emotional pain and knowing what happened and with his own eyes, he doesn't want that to happen to her or even to the other somas. He just, he's basically trying to save them from that emotional distraught pain in his own way. He may not come out and say it because he's very like stoic and you can never really tell what he's thinking. But through this. And you catch a glimpse of everything he's went through. You really realize. He is very pure at heart. But. And then. So he gives this whole like speech and whatever. And then. Before leaving their residence. Toru, Toru catches a glimpse. Of the infamous. Akito Soma. Who we will talk about. Later.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, there's a few things about, like, the past few scenes you were talking about that I really liked. And one was Momiji and the pure happiness that he emits when he finds out that Toru is able to look at their true form and not have any repercussions from that. So he immediately throws himself at Toru. This was such a pure relationship because he was just happy to finally have someone who accepts him for who he is. Because we, well, you will probably talk about it later when I ask you about your thoughts on certain characters because you had a really good analysis on momaji just after meet meeting him like once or twice you were hit the nail on the head so the fact that he was so happy to find someone who accepts him is really t- true to his character and I just loved that scene
0: and one thing I want to mention because I just realized I never did mention the whole joke I said at the beginning Momijis half german Oh and yeah,
1: Glazed over that speaks, one. He speaks
0: yeah in the sub version of Fruits Basket. He actually does speak German, mm-hmm. and he will like say sentences in German because he just knows it. So that's the whole reason why I said not one, but zwei, because that is two in German.
1: Yes, yeah. Totally, totally just brushed over that one as if that
0: didn't <laughs> happen. I guess we could have left it for like
1: like people egg.
0: yeah i mean i could yeah. always cut this part yeah. out but it's all
1: good yeah and then as you said uo-chan and hana-chan in- forcefully invite themselves over to the soma household to make sure that Toru's is being taken care of it just shows how strong of an impact toru has on hana uo and hana so Which we'll you... learn
0: about a little later
1: yeah i kind of Brushed over when going over the the thing, I kind of brushed over their storylines or their past. We could talk about them a little bit, but I didn't know if we would have time. but um I mean then, even if
0: it's just a few sentences, I yeah. feel like it's fun because we it, it really yeah. can be covered in a few sentences. The episodes are good. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. we can easily describe it in a few sentences.
1: So, and then you also mentioned that Toru talks about her past, where a young, as she was a young girl, a young boy saved her when she was lost. This we just briefly touched over, very important in the future, a little bit later. But really like that that little reference there. But then Hatsuri, you really find this heartbreaking story of how he's trying to protect Toru and just get her out of the situation early before something bad happens. Because Hatsuri had this immense pain of losing the love of his life, and he doesn't want to see that happen again. So, he is just such a pure character and has the best intentions for Toru, and it's really hard to see him, like his backstory, and see him go through all that. So, finally, the New Year is coming around, and it's New Year's Eve, and the Somas are summoned to the estate for a banquet, because every year during the New Year, they have a banquet. To honor the story of the Zodiac Spirits coming together for this big meeting that really entered the Zodiacs into their placeholders. And because of this, Toru is left home alone. On the way to the estate, the Soma estate, Kyo and Yuki run into Uo-chan and Hanachan, And they talk about how this will be Toru's first New Year's Eve without her mother. And this will be the first time since then, that she truly felt alone, because she would celebrate with her mother all the time. So, of course, this worries them, and they rush home, and skipping the banquet, which will cause a little bit of issues in the future. But they decide to spend the holiday with Toru rather than the Somas, which is very significant because they're choosing Toru over their family, which shows you the strong bond that they created with her and how comfortable they make her or she makes them feel. So they spend the the New Year's together and they make wishes on the roof. And Toru's wish, of course, is she wants Yuki and Kyo to get along, which is very cute and wholesome because she just wants to have them behave like close friends or brothers and they just hate each other. So very wholesome little (laughs) wish. That she threw out there. So after the holidays, st- or after the holidays, school starts back up and they have gym class. And they have to go for this really long distance run. And Yuki's sick. And as we mentioned earlier, when you're sick, you tend to turn into the spirit if you overexert yourself. And this is a long distance race. So Kyo and Yuki, of course have this rivalry and they just can't let each other win so they're racing down the street like trying to beat each other but they're quickly interrupted by Hatsuharu who is also a Soma and he picks a fight with Kyō because he has a little bit of a dark side and likes to stir up some trouble and he's asking like why they skipped the banquet so through some interactions and some fight scenes they're beating the shit out of each other and Yuki actually collapses and turns into. Or, I don't think he turns into the rat at this moment, actually. But he collapses because of his sickness. And at this point, Haru's like, you know, I got this. Just hug me real quick. So Toru hugs him. He turns into an ox, and they're dragging Yuki on his back across the town, which I think is hilarious. It's just like. Oh, hold on. Oh.
0: Yeah. I just want to mention my. So. A little... There's just a little prior information. He already has seen all this before I have. And so once we get a little bit later down, as he kind of mentioned earlier, he wanted me to give you him all my first impressions of characters and then characters at the end of the season. And so I knew the different Zodiacs. And I was keeping track of who I haven't seen yet. And the horse has been one I haven't seen yet. And so before this whole shebang happened and he's like don't worry i can carry him in my other form or whatever so instantly in my head i'm like oh cool we met the horse <laughs> and then when he hugs him turns into a fucking cow i about lost it it's just I li- it was like the best introduction to a character so far in this series I like literally lost it, and I, I still love this scene.
1: Yeah, they definitely make you think that he's going to be the horse because he's like, Th- my form is perfect for this type of situation. And then he turns into a cow, and they're hauling him through the town. <laughs> Imagine what Toru's <Tortoise> friends were <laughs> thinking working. watching her hugging a cow carrying Yuki through the streets of Japan. Just a <laughs> quite interesting little scene. So that was a a fun little introduction to him. So finally they get back to the house. Oh, sorry. Let me give you a a bigger. (laughs) So finally they get back to the house and they tend to Yuki, who happens to turn into the rat because now he's so exhausted, which he could have. Why didn't they just hug him when he was on the ground and just carry him?
0: You know, know, I didn't even think of that. He's a
1: rat. Put him in your pocket. Whatever. (laughs) So anyway, so we have all these interactions with a bunch of other Zodiac members and we learn about the kids of the group, but we really haven't learned much about Shigure and Hachari for that matter. We do learn a little bit about Hachari, but we see Shigure and Hachari having this conversation where they are discussing their dreams of back when they were kids and Hachari mentions to Shigure that he knows that he's manipulating Toru for his own benefit. And I found this really interesting because up until now, you kind of assume Shigure is a very caring individual that wants to protect the children under his roof while possibly pushing against the main branch. But it really changes your perspective when he is having this candid conversation with, with Hattori alone and you learn that he is manipulating Toru. So you kind of wonder whether his actions are a little more sinister than we originally thought and you wonder what he's doing so after this conversation he even visits akito and has a conversation and from my understanding of the conversation or what i see from it is that you could tell that um, shigure doesn't care for akito but he's putting on this facade that he truly does care telling her or him telling him that he has this very like he cares for him and just because i don't know you have this very interesting dynamic between them and akito has this complex like why don't you care for me like the other members of the zodiac and this and that so it almost seems like they know each each other are playing like this game but you also have this feeling of They're holding up this charade and they don't actually know each other's true intentions. So it's a really hard thing to tell, but you start to get the vibe that they are catching on to each other. So it starts to get very complex here. So after a little bit of time, Akito actually decides to meet Toru face to face because he has been hearing a lot of stuff about Toru. But never actually meeting. So Akito actually goes to school. And confronts Toru. And is basically intimidating her. And just kind of showing that he's boss. And Yuki sees this and tries to get Toru away. But just standing in the presence of Akito makes him freeze and he trembles. To the point where Toru actually has to save Yuki instead of what Yuki intended. Which is very interesting seeing the type of character that Yuki is. And now in the presence of a single character completely falls apart.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a lot. Like you said, the whole skipping the banquet is a huge factor. And now that it's guaranteed Toru is now going to be involved in the stone whether she wanted to or not, which Knowing her, she would have anyways. Mm-hmm. But this kind of just solidifies that. Yeah,
1: I think the b- skip in the banquet is what caused Akito to come m- meet Toru, which is gonna in turn make a very difficult experience for her.
0: I don't know who this Akito you speak of. All I know is a cold-hearted bitch.
1: Yeah, so. he—he's kind of like—he's <laughs> the character, the only character in the show where I have no problem just punching in the face.
0: We should now refer to Akito as CHB, (laughs) cold-hearted bitch, from now on. (laughs) Yes. He doesn't even get the right to have his name said. (laughs) But, like I was kind of saying, but yeah, the whole solidifying, and then when we see Shigure and the CHB together, and you get that (laughs) little, like, smirk, Shigure is kind of, like, happy, like, ha, they didn't show up because of Toru. That's when you know something's up, whether he's using Toru or just coincidence, like, hey, it's a win-win, like, Toru can help the Somos, and then he also gets, like, a little revenge with it. And then when they finally meet face-to-face, you really see Akito's true colors, and then as you mentioned the whole kind of like swapping characters where Toru protected Yuki this time and it's just now you know this also solidifies the fact that something is going on with the Somas other than just the Zodiac curse like there's something going on not just that that keeps the Somas distant from everyone so after this we kind of get it's always like a serious moment then followed by like a comedic moment they really do set the pace pretty good and i like it because sometimes it's it's not always enjoyable if it's all serious like all the time you kind of want that comedic bit and then to do that we got introduced to another soma ayame who is a slippery slippery little snake
1: (laughs) i hate that you did that
0: (laughs) Anyways, he's the snake and I'm pretty sure I think Toru finds the snake or Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it takes this.
1: It was a rainy day, I believe, and it gets him really sick and weak because obviously he's possessed by a cold blooded reptile, so he kind of just collapsed and she found it on the sidewalk
0: and she's taking it home. And of course, it's like in her shirt because she's trying to protect it and yuki finds this and immediately grabs the snake by the throat and is like here cook this up now or (laughs) something like that and he the snake eventually turns and we find out ayame is yuki's older brother and this is when we kind of learn what actually happened with yuki because yuki who's normally like this calm and collected like even towards kyo He's still pretty calm, like, even though they fight. But all of a sudden, you see this straight, disordained, like, almost pure hatred for this character. And we find out that Yuki was, like, tormented and forced, locked into this, like, room by himself. And he tried to reach out to Ayame. But, of course, they were only kids. And Ayame has, like, a, what, 10-year difference? I think so.
1: Something something about about that time frame.
0: So it's a pretty big difference. In leap for a year. For being a older brother. And a, and a younger brother. And so he didn't really know. At the time what was going on. So he kind of shrugged him off. Well now that he realized what's going on. He's trying to make up for all that lost time. And he has become. A very doting. Older brother. Even though Yuki wants no part of him. Because he, he's very clingy. And insists on skinship and Yuki's like get away from me you're disgusting like the whole thing but it's just he's so lovable he does it in such like a lovable way like he's very kind of like dumb almost like this woman womanizer like persona but he really like deep down cares for his younger brother and is really trying to make a effort to come back into his life and that's why he also kind of clicks with Toru because they both kind of want what's best for them. Mm -hmm. So after we learn about Yuki's Pass, we get to learn a little bit about Momiji's Pass. And this is not only Momiji's Pass, we also kind of learn a bit more about the Zodiacs in general. Because he's one of the reasons why they all pretty much like Toru is because they she doesn't like pity them or anything like that she just treats them as if they were normal people and Momiji kind of talks about how there's two ways a parent reacts to a zodiac spirit they're either extremely overprotective or they discard them or like ignore them at all costs like they don't think they're like a human being and so we find out Momonji's his actual mother has no idea who Momonji is he like she knows he's a Soma but they think it's like a cousin or something or she thinks it's some other part of the family member because we we find out that when Momonji was born and his mother found out she was so disgusted by it that she actually tried to commit suicide because she thought she birthed a monster. And after a failed attempt, they, his father ended up coming to him and practic- like pleaded like, hey, your mother's going to forget about you, everything about you. I know it's going to be hard, but I will love you twice as much. I will take that portion of your mother and love you twice as much. Which was kind of nice to know that like the father didn't just like Mm -hmm. give up on him at all. He was just like, but to do, please help this family out by just doing this. And Momiji, of course, smiled and said, sure or yes. And we find out that they have Hateri erase her memory of Momiji. So she has no idea that it's her son but they still sort of live on as a family so we learn a little bit about Momiji's past and then the Zodiacs as a whole about the like what the two little things are but then later on to <laughs> this is all depressing yeah, My this, goodness,
1: this whole scene this episode <laughs> is just full of sad like this was a really sad episode
0: and so to add on to that, while we're already low, we find out Toru, ua Hana-chan, Yuki, and Kyo go visit Toru's mother's grave, Kyoko, a year after her death. It's her one-year death anniversary. And during the picnic, Kiyoko has to step away and ask Hana-chan if she can sense ghosts. But her unique ability, her little waveform ability, doesn't do that, but she tells him that His waves are screaming with chaos and guilt before it's elaborated on. Toro pulls them back into the picnic. And the night Toro falls asleep on the porch and Kiyo sits next to her and whispers, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, Yuki sees Toro's baseball cap in her room and is shocked to see it as if he knows what it is. So we get all this depressing stuff and then all of a sudden we get all this freaking foreshadowing.
1: right after a lot of theories from this episode like i had a few theories to begin with especially with the hat and everything but uh after seeing this scene a lot of theories popped up that we'll probably talk about at the end we're gonna have to speed it up a little bit but if we want to get to our theories but yeah a lot of things came from this episode where i'm just like holy shit
0: and to kind of give you guys a little bit of an Easter egg, there is a backstory of Ua-chan and Hanachan that, honestly, more because we're pressed on time, but also, honestly, instead of shortening it, it is—they're both really like wholesome backstories that honestly you should just watch this. It's much better to watch this than to really speak it because you just can't put it in words and yeah that that's really all i got for that (laughs) yeah you
1: just had this like touching relationship between uh uotani and her family and then kyoko and then hanajima and her family and basically the support that they're given is just a beautiful thing and it's really hard to elaborate on yeah i like that but and like you said it's also because we're pressed for time so to finish up the story so we could get into some theories real quick. Towards the end, we have uh, Kaguya come back. So she's the boar and obviously is in love with Kyo, And they go on a little date. And she brings up his true form once again and why he's hiding it from Toru. Which he, of course, kind of just keeps pushing off. But upon returning home from their little date, Kyo's foster father Kazuma's home. And he mentions that he believes that Toru is the person that he needs in his life because she is such a positive influence. And actually, we see in secret Kazuma and Shigure made a plan to reveal Kyo's true form to Toru because they believe that she will accept him for who he is and save him. So that night, Kazuma uh, meets up with Kyo outside of the Soma or of the Shigure's home. And Kyo's always wearing this bracelet. That's like a beaded bracelet. And we learned that it's a protective seal essentially. And wearing that will keep his true form hidden. But of course Kazuma forces Kyo to take it off. As much as he was resisting. He didn't want to take it off. But finally he does. And as he does Toru comes into scene. And he sees, as the bracelet hits... She sees, as the bracelet hits the floor, Kyo transforms into this monster. It's... And if you've seen Naruto, it's almost remind me of the nine-tailed fox, but a lot more disgusting. It's like this brown creature, and they really talk about how it, it, it reeks of, like, rotting flesh, and it's just this monster. And Toru, of course... Or, the, the monster flees, and Toru flees, because... Kyo is so ashamed of himself. And then Toru is disgusted. But as she's fleeing, she knows that it's still Kyo. So her instinct is to find him and save him. And after a lot of struggling, she manages to break through to Kyo. And finally get him to accept who he is. And she accepts him for he is. And this connection really forms. And it's founded upon basically truth and love and just a good relationship that he's never truly had so he manages to break free of the form and turn back into the cat but he's still obviously after this point wears his bracelet because he's upset by it but he knows that toru knows who he is and she accepts him
0: so now yes yeah. we kind of want to get into is the season one yeah, so... F-
1: I was going to say, first off... you descri- I wanted to see how you would describe... Yuki, Kyo Shigure... And... Akito. I'm sure we know that one. Those th- characters... At the end of Season 1. How you would describe them. And I kind of want to see if it will change by the end of Season 2.
0: So, at the end of Season 1... For Yuki... I had... He is either cautious or more, like, anxious than cautious about his whole, like, spirit uh, spirit, uh, transformation thing. So, I guess, before, I thought he was just kind of, like, cautious of people. Now, it's more anxiousness about that. He's lonely, prideful, but he's actually a softy in the inside. So, he has this, like, colder exterior, and, like... Originally he was conscious of people But now he's slowly opening up So you kind of I feel like you're starting to see his like True Personality Not this shell Or mask he had of him But like His true Self Mm -hmm. Okay Hyo is 100% tsundere I don't care what you say He is Exactly what it is He will say one thing But mean something else uh, I mean, you could also say he's just bad with words, but I, to me, he feels like a tsundere, like, straight up. Uh, he's headstrong, but honest, so that kind of just fits that, like, persona to me. Like, that's just it. Like, he's, I think he's, fits a tsundere.
1: I, yeah, I could see that. He... Yeah, he's just so closed off, but he doesn't know how he truly feel. Like doesn't like to accept how he truly feels. So I definitely see the the sundry aspects of him. But yeah, he's a like, very protective he knows
0: character. when he yeah, and he knows when he messes up, and he's like, wait, no, that's not what I mean. I don't, and he goes like, I can't speak words properly. I can't express how I feel. But that's you took it the wrong way, and he will try to like instantly clear it up. So he doesn't mean anything by it, but he just yeah. He acts differently than how he feels. Mm-hmm. Which to me is a scene today. Uh, you said Shigure? Yeah, right? Shigure.
1: He's one of the more important ones to talk about.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, I definitely think he's... A, he's definitely malicious towards Akito. 100%. Mm-hmm. He's more cunning and sly. I kind of... I almost thought he, had, he would have a secret side to him... Just because I feel like a lot of these like aloof fake personas, mm-hmm. it's always it's never they're never truly like that. Right. They almost always have a hidden side. Though, seeing how he interacts, I also think he's still a pervert. Though,
1: <laughs> he's definitely a pervert. There's no, there's no denying that.
0: I think that part. I think that part. He just like he just adds on to that personality, mm-hmm. so like no one questions it anymore when like he does something. So.
1: And then um, Akito. How do you feel oh, about Akito? my favorite character. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yes. He's my favorite cold-hearted, psychopathic, desperate, controlling bitch.
1: <laughs> I, I figured that would be the same as halfway through the episode, but just wanted to oh, yeah. put that on the record.
0: Yeah, so for the record, I just want to – because you guys can't see this, but when I fir- my first impression of him was cold-hearted bitch. Then by end of season one – I added a few more adjectives to that. The <laughs> yes. cold-hearted, sociopathic, desperate, controlling bitch. Yeah.
1: I, I think that's fairly accurate. So <laughs> I'm not going to argue on that those points. <laughs> he, he is a character that's just like, he's, he's so punchable. So, so I want to know what your theories are based on the end of season one.
0: So even after talking about this and everything, I still think my first theory I came up with is still pretty sound at this point.
1: And I so I just want to put on the record I love this theory. So this one's very good.
0: So I think Toru is either the reincarnation or descendant because the Somas was all descendant so she could just be a descendant. But she's actually the descendant of the god or the person who held the original party of the Zodiacs. And that's why Akito hates her for it and wants the family to himself. Is because she, like, I don't know if they got taken away by this person or what. And is also the reason why all the Zodiacs seem to be drawn towards her. Mm-hmm. Like, I even I after only meeting them for a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I just want to say that I did not have this theory in my head after season 1. It I just feel like it's it makes a lot of sense. And I just really like that one, so this one's slowly making its way into my theories and yeah. It's pretty cool. I like that one.
0: And I also want to put on record I have not seen any of season 2 yet. So for me, this is literally everything is from season one. I haven't even seen the first episode of season two. I have refused to watch it until <laughs> we were done with this podcast. So I can watch season two completely, fr- like do this theories completely fresh. Yeah. So another one that I still feel like holds true or it's something aspect is Shigure knew and or loved Toru's mother, hence why... Toru's mother, she always talked to Toru about the Zodiacs and why Shigure has it out for Akito. Because if you remember how what happened with Hatori and his loved one, I feel like that could have happened between Shigure and Kyoko.
1: Very interesting one. I don't know if I'm on board with this one. But because we do know that Toru's father was in the picture at one point, And maybe it was one of those situations with Hatsuri where his, she remarried and met somebody else. So it's possible, but I don't know if I'm on board with this one quite yet.
0: Well, that's why I, I feel like I could probably get, well, it was more like a one-sided love mm-hmm. okay. or like, it, like not, it wasn't like a mutual thing gotcha. or like they, like they knew each other. And that's how like cause Kyoko always told stories, but anyways, Another one that is going off of the whole little tidbits about the hat, the they keep referring to like an incident. How mm-hmm. uh, Kyo said, "I'm sorry." How Kagura is kind of has like this guilt towards Kyo, is that they were actually all four of them were childhood friends, and Kagura. Accidentally made Kyo reveal his true form to everyone, like in the village or whatever it was, and everyone had their memory white. Hence, why Toru doesn't realize who that hat belongs to. Why Kyo and Yuki both recognize the hat. I think Yuki was the person who wore the hat. Kyo knows what happened, so that's why he says, I'm sorry, and why Kagura feels guilty because she's the one that made Kyo do whatever it did that causes everyone to wipe their memories. That's what I okay. think.
1: Um, So that's interesting. I do like it. My, cause you mentioned the hat, my theories deviated to something else uh, completely different. So I'll mention that after you mention your, your fourth theory, I'll mention what my theory is.
0: Okay. So my fourth fear, I'm actually changing it because as we were going through this, I kind of thought of a few different things and this makes me hate akito even more or oh oh, i'm sorry the uh chb even (laughs) more is that it kind of ties with it it, i guess it kind of wraps up all of them together it take a little bit of each one i feel like kyoko and toru like their whole family has some connections with the zodiac whether they're the descendants or not but Maybe it was the father, I don't know. Like, someone had connections with the Somas. Shigure knew Toru's family, hence why he still has it out for Akito, kind of how I mentioned in 2. But that whole accident with Kyoko, I, I just feel like it wasn't an accident. Mm-hmm. And yes. <laughs> that Akito has something to do with it and Sugar or like maybe Sugary just knows he purposely did that and that's why he hates him and maybe it's not necessary like I said in the second one they knew or whatever of mother but the fact that the mother knew so much about the zodiacs and like the whole cat just makes me conscious that she knew something of the somas and now so she was already connected to the somas the somas basically had her killed and then that's going off of that. It's okay. a little dark and yeah. everything, but that's another theory.
1: My theory deviates off of that one a little bit. That one was very close to what mine is. So my theory started from the first scene with the hat. Obviously I I thought that the person who owned the hat was Keo at first because Kyo was listening to the conversation. But then as we got to the grave scene, we see that, At one point, Yuki saw the hat and he was surprised. So I thought that it was Yuki's hat. So there's definitely some sort of connection with Toru and Yuki in childhood. Which she obviously doesn't remember this child. She only remembers... Or she remembers the child but doesn't remember who it was. So that was interesting to me. But it was the grave scene that made me believe that Kyo knew Toru's mother in some way. Which would make sense of why she knew about the cat spirit. But I think that Kyo, I don't know how, but somehow unintentionally killed Toru's mother, caused her to have the accident. Which is why during the funeral his mind his waves were so chaotic and screaming with guilt. Because he is the one who caused Toru's mother's to die. And that's why after that scene when they were at home and toru fell asleep on the porch he told her he was sorry because he's still holding this guilt that he killed toru's mom but now he feels guilty that he is so close to toru not telling her the truth about what he did so that's my theory
0: damn i i almost forgot about the whole grave scene where he like knew that mm-hmm. i could easily see that happening to like Maybe he turned into a cat and he couldn't get out of the way of the truck or like whatever. Because I believe it was didn't they say it was like a car accident mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, motor-
1: I think motorcycle or something. Yeah,
0: yeah. And she could have easily got out of the way Rave to like car, but yeah, get out, like get out of the way and protected him. Mm-hmm. And that would that would fit Kyoko's character, and then also why Kyō is so sorry. guilty about it. Yes, I
1: think he definitely had some direct relationship to why or how Kyoko died. And that's basically my main theory. And I really like your Toru reincarnation theory because it, it adds a little bit more reasoning of why all the characters are so attracted towards her character as a motherly figure. Because if she is that descendant or reincarnation they naturally have that bond with her
0: that's and why i'm more surprised what
1: and i said and it explains why akuto hates her
0: that's my favorite theory so far i still gotta see season two and see how like these differ but then i can finally watch the final season that i think (laughs) already started i think it has started yeah
1: fruits basket season three is currently starting the final season final season we in a few weeks we'll have an episode about season two but until then you guys will have to wait and maybe binge it and catch up but as for now we have two facts to end the show with this episode with and one fact is the japanese version of fruits basket 2019 hired a completely new cast and staff from the original 2001, which I've already mentioned. But the Funimation-based English cast, a lot of them actually returned to reclaim their roles as characters. So I thought that was interesting. The Japanese one had to start fresh, but Funimation kind of had their own say in whether the cast was going to be recast or not. But I think the cast did a great job, so I'm not upset about that. And the other fact is... In the Japanese subbed, Momiji speaks German, which Bobby already mentioned earlier. But the English dubbed, he actually speaks with a German accent, which I think is the one flaw of the dubbed voice actors. Is the German accent? I don't think is that great. But other than, but I can get over it because he's not extremely, extremely present in the show, so something I can overlook. And. That is it for today. So feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for updates. And contact us through email at weepspawn at gmail.com.
0: Well, contact us by leaving us a five-star review, and we'll read your comments.
1: Yes, <laughs> and we would greatly appreciate it.
0: That will be all from us today. I've been your host, Bobby.
1: And I'm Joshua.
0: And we will see you guys next time when we weepspawn.